This is Bill Newman, WHMP. No, it's not. This is Buzz Eisenberg sitting in for Bill Newman. Good morning, Monty Belmonte. Good morning, Buzz. Today is Mayor's Monday on the Bill Newman Show. Yes, it is. And we are so lucky, as always, to have the Mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Wiedegartner. Hello, Roxanne. Good morning, folks. Good morning. I know that you're really busy. Thank you for finding time. What we'd oh, like yeah. to do today is talk questions that are going to be on the ballot so that people can get a heads up on what they're going to be doing when they all go and vote on November 8th. Or right. early voting, which has begun, or mail-in voting, which uh, I did and put in the mail today. None of which can they do unless they register to vote right. by October 29th. And so it's so important for everybody to do that. Please go do that if you haven't done it already. So, Mayor, yes. I wanted to start with um, question four. Um, and I, I'd like to tell you why I'd like to start with question four, which is the eligibility for driver's license. But on a really serious note, when when that president whose name begins with a T and I prefer not to say Taft uh, Taft, when President Taft became elected, uh, we formed something called the Immigration the Immigrant Protection Project. And my task um, at that time was to represent um most, I, I mostly didn't do immigration work except for one case, which Monty's very familiar with, uh, um, Nabil Abdallah. I almost forgot his name. Nabird. Nabird Abdallah. I did forget his name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, mostly what I did is when people got stopped for drive, operating without a Massachusetts driver's license because they were trying to feed their family or yeah. send money home or just trying to get to work, um, they would call me, and I was the guy. I had exactly 20 of those cases, and I was astonished because uh, unlike any criminal defense lawyer's record, mine was 20 for 20. Now, that might sound self-serving, Roxanne Wiedergartner, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's not because it wasn't because of my prowess that that happened. It's because clerk magistrates and judges did not want to punish these people for trying to earn a living and feed their children and go to work and be productive and build the kind of life that the Statue of Liberty's little uh, notation on the bottom says that you can build in this country. So I was 20 for 20. It was in Chicopee District Court, Springfield District Court. I had three in Greenfield District Court. I was in Northampton. I was in Berkshire. Every clerk magistrate that I encountered, every judge that I encountered said, okay, not responsible and we, I, I sort of, my job was to give them some little kind of silly reason to do what they wanted to do. Question four is the question that asks whether or not um, they should be, that is immigrants, particularly undocumented immigrants, should be able to get driver's license. As mayor of Greenfield, as Roxanne Wiedergartner, the citizen, how do you feel about question four? How are you going to vote? Well, I am a full-on, full-throated yes on that one. Um, I'm actually that on all four of them, but I have a, I'm more neutral on two than any of them. So there you go. Uh, but no, I am a, a yes for all of the reasons that you just stated. Um, I do strongly believe that uh, people who are trying to put food on their table and they're doing it um, with, um, you know, for all the good, for all the right reasons that you want to do that, um, should not be punished, as as the clerk magistrate said, for 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 
for trying to put food on your table, regardless of whether you uh, have your all of your full documentation or not. You're here. Obviously, I love your answer. And, yeah. And now some people talk about um, that the really, uh, another really important reason to vote yes for question four is because of uh, to make sure that people are insured when they are on the road driving. And I'm sure you've heard about that. So, yes, I have. So, could you talk about that? Insurance well, issues. Yes, I think that that's certainly one of the things that um, that that makes it a good thing. That if you if you have a vehicle and you have a full driver's license, you really should be insured. But um, you can probably tell me better than. Uh, then I, I, I am surmising because uh, <laughs> I've known people uh, who have all their documentation. They were born here, so forth and so you on. You mean just because I put my kids through college because of auto accidents, you think that I know yeah, something right. about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one too. <laughs> no, it's really, in, it's really important. For... No, it was David that represented my daughter. <laughs> okay. One time while she was in college. But anyway... They may or may not, people may or may not be insured, regardless of who they are. They should be, and the quickest way to go, oh, yes, I guess I better get insured is to be stopped and have, you know, and, and you know, for something minor, and, but that you need, you need to require your driver's license and your insurance um, verification, and you don't have it. And I think that, you know, so why is it you say that? But on the other hand, the best way to ensure that, people aren't uninsured is to say, if you want to get a driver's license, you're in Massachusetts in order to maintain yeah. your job, in order to get a paycheck, in order to build a life here, that you must be insured. You must prove that you're insured. You must prove your identity. Um, you must show us your previous driver's license, either your international driver's license or the one from your home country. Uh, you must prove a, your date of birth and your residency and all of that before you get a driver's license. It's pretty safe then that whoever may hit you because there, there are accidents, no matter how careful we are, that they're going to be insured, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And uh, it is the law in Massachusetts that to be insured, to be a driver. Not only do you need a license, you do need insurance. So this is just trying to make it so that that would be available to everybody who's going to be driving on the road. Yeah, so it protects us all. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, go ahead. It isn't just, no, I was just going to say, it isn't just charity. It's, pr no. it's self-protection. Yeah. Right. I think it's, in, uh, it's um, instructive that the, um, the law enforcement community, and certainly in western Massachusetts, by and large, is behind it. And I think we saw that with the rally and announcement last week. And Monty, I was listening to you on RSI this morning coming in, and, and you mentioned Why, thank something. you, Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. You, you got first billing over, over um, uh, New England Public Radio. Thank so you. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned something that I never really thought about, and that is that to enter the country without all of your documentation is a civil crime. To drive without your driver's license is a, uh, if I'm paraphrasing this correctly, is a, is a, is a criminal crime. So 
it doesn't, um, there's a, a disconnect there when you um, can let people in, and as long as they are making a good work, faith effort to find, get, do whatever. Monty, that, that was a really good point that you made, and I had a friend no, who said just this past weekend that yeah. she said, wait a minute, when I didn't have my driver's license, it was a civil thing, I only had to pay $50, and I said, no, that's not having it in your possession, right. but you were duly licensed. Driving yeah. without being duly licensed is a criminal act. So, so we're encouraging people to do something criminal yeah. by not allowing them to get driver's licenses or insurance. Exactly. That's well, right. speaking of criminals, what do you yeah. think about question one and those millionaires who don't contribute a fair share? <laughs> wow, what a segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you going to vote on question one? Like I said, uh, once again, full-on, full-throated, uh, yes on that. Um, it's To me, it's where's the harm, really. Um, and I, I understand, perhaps, have some, um, have, I have understanding and, and some empathy, maybe, maybe, for the argument that small business owners and so forth may may suffer a little bit, but there's two questions on this ballot that the no vote people seem to think that all of a sudden, just because either one of these, and I think the other one is question two, um, all of a sudden, just because there's now a law that says you got to do better um, and you, um, you're going to leave the you're going to leave the state, or you're going to decide you're not going to provide dental insurance relative to question two or whatever. Right. right. So those are those are those are not very strong arguments uh, in my book. Um, I think you're right. But just in case anybody's that, listening who doesn't know that, that we're talking about a constitutional amendment in question one, we're talking mm-hmm. about amending Article 44 of the Massachusetts Constitution by providing a, uh, a, an additional tax of 4% on that portion of an annual taxable income in excess of $1 million. So in the first million dollars, you're just paying whatever, the same proportion that everybody else is in that bracket, but everything over a million is 4%. But it is only to provide money, it may only be used provide money for quality public education and affordable public colleges and university or for the repair and maintenance of that which every mayor wants, roads, bridges, and public transportation. All those revenues are only for those purposes and no other, and people are confused about that. It's not, you're not gonna be taxed from zero to whatever. You're gonna be taxed from one million to whatever an additional 4%. And ask yourself, am I ever going to make a million dollars in one year and if the answer to that is likely no, then you might want to vote yes on this. I see that. I see that gold-plated Mercedes you drive because of what WRSI pays you, yes. Monty. Oh, he just yeah. turned his head. <laughs> well, and I, I take note of the fact, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, both uh, uh, the House and the Senate voted in favor of this in the last few years, 2019, and then again in 2021. I think it was a larger number of yeses in 2021 than, than before. So That's a really important point, Mayor. As with question four, which we spoke to earlier, overwhelmingly the House and the Senate passed that law. Governor Baker decided to veto that law. Overwhelmingly they overrid it. Over- wrote it. Wrote it. That's what I'm trying to say. They overrode it. <laughs> and, um, and here it is. We got, we got it in the last minute. 
Last possible date for the deadline with just the right number of signatures, they managed to get it on the ballot. So that's true. And finally, before we take a break, I just wanted to, you mentioned question two. Um, question two is a uh, proposal that all dental insurance, um, that uh, 83% of all the um, income and revenues that come from premiums, uh, 83% of it go to uh, dental care for the insureds and 17% be uh, going to administration and profit for the insurance companies, and that it, the commissioner of insurance be able to um, regulate dental insurance. Neither of those is true right now, and in fact, it seems like one out of every $3 goes to patient care, and the other two-thirds go to administrative costs and profits. So that's what question two is about, and to use your language, you said you are a full-throated yes on that? Yeah, uh, I said I I am a yes on that. Uh, you know, I I actually started out very neutral to it, but then I read more about it, and I am a, definitely a yes. When we come back, I'd like to make a final point on four on on one, if I might. Absolutely! Wow, you're getting good at this. Yeah, that cliffhanger, right? <laughs> cliffhanger. The mayor has a point to Eight make hours on. Hours of sleep that helped that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be right back. On uh, Mayor's Monday with Mayor Roxanne Weedgartner of our beloved city of Greenfield. Be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This week's Shop Tuesday is Rustic Brewing Company. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Rustic Brewing releases certificates for their brewery and tap room in Indian Orchard. Rustic Brewing, New England IPAs, Stouts, Sours, Lagers, and Golden Ale. Open Fridays and Saturdays in Indian Orchard's Studio G21 building. And this Tuesday, you save 30%. Rustic Brewing Company in Indian Orchard. Available this Shop Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Co-ops build economic power. A co-op is a trusted and proven way to strengthen the local economy. The members own it, or the workers own it. October is Co-op Month. Check out our local co-ops, credit unions, worker co-ops, and farmer co-ops. With over 8,000 members, the Brattleboro Food Co-op works hard to make a difference in the community and helps assist local organizations to improve the lives of our neighbors. To learn more, visit brattleborofoodcoop.coop. At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. American National's equine owner's insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? 
At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. CNA is like family you can trust that gives you hope and confidence that there is always support for various situations. They help dreams come true. Do you want to be a part of Center for New Americans? Visit our website at cnam.org. Call 413-587-0084. Center for New Americans, with offices in Amherst, Northampton, and Greenfield. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is Buzz Eisenberg, guest hosting for Bill on Mayor's Monday with Mayor Roxanne Wiedegardner from Greenfield. And we were talking about um, the questions on the ballot for November 8th, and we were talking in particular about question one. And you said there's one other thing you wanted to say about question one, Mayor. Which is the so-called fair share amendment, the 4% additional tax on income over a million dollars. Very good, Monty, because that's my point. I'm voting for this because I want, when they start raking in those hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and I, I thought I saw a projection once upon a time on that, uh, if this is passed, I want us out here in western Massachusetts to get our fair share of those transportation and or education dollars because, as a general rule, we end up on the short end of the stick on that one. So it isn't all for Boston, folks. That money that's coming in has to be shared fairly throughout the uh, throughout the Commonwealth. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's so having worked at Greenfield Community College, having attended University of Massachusetts, you know, so often there are incredible people in, as educators that are just hamstrung by a lack of revenue, and and people like you, Mayor. You always have, you're in this competition. Do I, do I fix a big pothole or do we add another teacher in the elementary school? And so this is adding revenue from people who won't miss it. 4% of the money that they make over a million dollars. And Mayor, um, according to the Yes on One campaign for fair share amendment, it is not in the millions of dollars that we will receive every year. It's about $2 billion with a B dollars every year. Yeah. Good. And yeah, well, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. And, yeah, you know. And 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 so when I we don't re- talk in billions very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us do except when we're complaining about the federal government. But here, it yeah. really is. It's it's going to add a. I think it's going to be about four percent. They're estimating of our budget, an increase in the state budget, and it will be helping the educational system and people like you, Mayor, who have to administrate uh, on a local level. Uh, the bridges that are collapsing in the streets that need yeah. repair and public transportation. Yeah. Yeah. To that point, though, I will say, you know, we've rolled up our sleeves and realized that we can't rely on all those things coming to us as we should in a fair way. So I just we just presented a report to the city council uh, of all of the grants that we receive, a great many of them for both uh, for. Um, for transportation, you know, infrastructure, let me put it that way. But but other things, too, you know, we live and die by those. $37 million in grants from 21 and 22. 
uh, coming into the city of Greenfield, the total number, which is not a small number when you think about it. Not a small uh, number at all. But I want to turn our budget. Yeah. But just in a few minutes we have left, I want to turn our attention to one that has no discernible fiscal consequences on the city or the state. That is the expanded availability of licenses for the sale of alcoholic beverages. Do you have an opinion about that? And if so, what is it? Well, anytime I think we can expand the availability of um, alcoholic beverage licenses and, and hopefully someday streamline the process and also make it more fair, um, I would, I'm going to vote yes for it, for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry that it's going to, you know, you know, the grocery stores and whatnot that sell are going to not be able to let people go through uh, self-checkout, you know. Boo-hoo, figure it out. <laughs> well, what about what about those people that say this is going to be uh, a benefit to the larger retailers and hurt the small mom-and-pop one? I um, I don't know the rationale for that. Uh, what What is it? I mean, I just, I look at it, I guess, from from an executive point of view where, um, you know, our, um, I, I'm always looking for, for increased revenue streams. Um, so if it's going to help and availability of, um, I guess maybe I'm, I'm as, not as informed as I should be on the, on the nitty gritty of this, but it, it didn't seem to me to be, um, a restaurant is an alcohol retailer too, so it's a, it's a bev it's a alcoholic beverage license, and I don't think there's a distinction between whether you are a grocery store, a C store, a um, you know, or or a small even mom and pop store uh, versus um, versus the other. So well, this wouldn't affect. I mean, maybe I need to be enlightened a little more. Yes, this wouldn't um, affect restaurants so much. That's not part of this particular question, uh, and actually this. The language of this ballot question was generated by a lot of small mom and pops, including my dear friend Sean Barry from Four Seasons Wine and Liquors in Hadley. And while it doesn't ban the big companies from being here, it severely limits, especially one company in particular called Total Wine, which has a reputation of coming into a state and opening huge liquor warehouses. I think they have 220 locations in 27 states. So they they take over the entire market and they push out a lot of the smaller players. So this says you can have seven of these full liquor licenses, but that's it. And then it expands the number of beer and wine licenses, which are slightly different and yeah. will affect and help the small mom and pops in that way. So it's uh, it's not a perfect one and it could open up a can of worms if the legislature, let's say, decides to expand it from seven to 70, but it keeps mm. it keeps total wine at seven in the state rather than 70 at this point. So but Monty, how do you feel about Total Wine? I do not like it. <laughs> I know enough people in the beer and wine industry locally and beyond that, uh, that work on the smaller level that they can't stand it and what they, they well, mean for the culture. Unfortunately, when you, when you have Monty's hours, you have to know people who have beer and wine that are like Yeah, I was just going to say that that was a pretty broad question because I'm pretty sure he's totally in favor of wine. Yes. I totally not am. Store total not wines. the store total wines, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Roxanne Wiedergartner, so you got a busy day before you? I certainly do. Um, I am launching a podcast today. Whoa. Called Mayor's Roundtable. And you guys, it's being told to the world right here on your show. 
So, will we find it wherever podcasts are available? As they say, I I don't know yet exactly. I um um uh, probably. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm leaving that to the comms director, um, the- Aaron Aaron Cuppick. It so, sounds really uh, exciting. We've got to hear more about that. And so maybe on the afternoon buzz, will you be able to tell us more about that launch and how it went and who's going to be in, on it? In November for sure, because I think, I think our launch date was sometime in November, uh, a date in November. I just don't remember which one. But um, sure, I think I could probably talk a little bit more about it. It's called Mayor's Roundtable, and the reason is because it's being done in my office Around my round. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. So she's not, she's more than just the mayor of Greenfield. She's a podcaster, Roxanne Wiedegartner. Thank you so much I for joining us. I Rachel Maddow get ahead of me. <laughs> no. Listen, you, your I name's feeling. Your name's both begin with R, so you should be competing with her. <laughs> Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us on this Mayor's Monday. Everybody else, we're going to be back with Joe Comerford and with, you're going to meet Tara Jacobs, the candidate for the Governor's Council. From our district. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The South Hadley Education Association and its supporters will be rallying outside of South Hadley High School from 4 to 5 p.m. today. Educators say they're concerned about staff shortages and the district's inability to fill jobs because of low pay. Both classroom teachers and paraeducators are among the lowest paid in the region. This is the second consecutive year that educators are working under the terms of an expired collective bargaining agreement. A convenience store in Florence is facing suspension of their tobacco sales. Jim's Variety at 15 West Farms Road was fined $1,000 for having flavored tobacco products hidden behind the counter. The Gazette reports store manager Hamid Habib admitted to multiple violations of the state law, known as the Acts to Modernize Tobacco Control, that were discovered during an inspection earlier this month. Habib says most of the products in question were expired and left over from before the flavored tobacco ban went into effect in June of 2020. Question 5 on the November ballot will ask voters in the 1st Franklin, 1st Hampshire, and 5th Worcester districts about carbon fees so their legislators can get a sense of the type of climate change policy their constituents support. State Rep. Lindsay Sabadosa explains. This one is just advising the legislature as to what people's opinions are. And I have been telling people this is a great one to vote yes on because climate change is one of the most pressing issues that we're going to deal with in our lifetimes. And it sends a strong message that I have a mandate from my constituents to fight as hard as I can for measures that affect climate change. Question five will be located on the back of your ballot while voting. For today, cloudy with showers, highs 58 to 62. Tonight, mostly cloudy, chance for showers, 50 to 54. And the outlook for Tuesday, partly sunny and warmer, highs in the upper 60s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La secretaria municipal de Holyoke, Brenna Murphy-McGee, anunció que a partir del sábado 22 de octubre dio inicio la votación anticipada en persona para las elecciones del Estado en la oficina ubicada en el edificio de la Alcaldía de Holyoke y se extenderá hasta el 4 de noviembre de 2022. De igual forma, señaló que este sábado 29 de octubre es el último día para registrarse para votar en las elecciones de Estado y la oficina estará abierta para la votación anticipada, así como el registro de votantes de 9 de la mañana a 5 de la tarde. La elección del Estado se llevará a cabo el martes 8 de noviembre de 2022. 
En otras informaciones y subiendo las apuestas en su citación extraordinaria a Donald Trump, el Comité de la Cámara de Representantes que investiga los disturbios en el Capitolio indicó el domingo que no consideraría permitir que el expresidente testifique en vivo en televisión. Sobre el papel directo que los investigadores del Congreso dicen que desempeñó en tratar de anular las elecciones de 2020. El comité exige el testimonio de Trump bajo juramento el próximo mes, así como los registros relevantes para su investigación. Para evitar una batalla legal complicada y prolongada, según los informes, Trump les había dicho a sus asociados que podría considerar cumplir con la citación si podía responder preguntas durante el testimonio en vivo. Pero la representante Liz Cheney, vicepresidenta del comité, rechazó el domingo la posibilidad. Dijo que el comité que toma sus principales decisiones con consentimiento unánime no permitiría que el testimonio de Trump se convierta en una pelea de comida en la televisión y advirtió que el comité tomará medidas si no cumple con la citación. No está claro cómo responderán Trump y su equipo legal. ¿Podría cumplir o negociar con el comité, anunciar que desafiará la citación o ignorarla por completo? ¿Podría ir a la corte y tratar de detenerlo? Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And it is Buzz Eisenberg. What a pleasure this morning, Monty. We have uh, Joe Comer Ford on. Hi, Senator. <laughs> Hello. Good morning, Buzz. Good morning, Good morning Monty. Good morning. So nice to, to uh, be able to talk to you this morning. And we also I have the real pleasure of meeting Tara Jacobs, who is running for Governor's Council from our district here in Western Massachusetts. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. And have you met Joe Comer Ford before this? Yes. Yes, we have. We've had a couple of really great interactions and, and uh, great support from, from Joe that I really appreciate. Oh, you're each lucky. So do you agree with me there's just too many Comer Fords in this world? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so for those who don't know, the Republican... Um, Uh, contestant for the governor's council that Tara is running against is John Comerford. And um, uh, so, Joe, any relation? Well, no. While I like John's last name just fine, <laughs> he, is, he is not a relative. And probably more to the point, Buzz, for our conversation today, I have endorsed Tara in this race because I do believe she is the candidate for our district. And I do believe that John has some unfortunate takes on his role um, that will take us backward, not forward. And I, I believe Tara is going to take us forward. I think that is such a wise way to put it and so true, too. I think that a lot of people don't know what the Governor's Council is. So let me ask you, Tara, can you explain what it is and what a uh, Governor's Council member would do? Sure, I'm happy to. I have been um, sharing this far and wide for months and months and months because so few people have ever heard of it, let alone have any idea what they do. Um, and they have a super important function in the state of Massachusetts. They are responsible for giving advice and consent to the governor on judicial nominations, so they will confirm Um, or not, uh, judicial nominees. Um, but they're also responsible for many, many other important things, like selecting who serves us on the parole board. Um, if there's a pardon or a commutation, they will weigh in and give their advice and consent on those cases. Um, things like clerk magistrates and assistant clerk magistrates and a bunch of um, roles on boards where judges serve, like 
the Industrial Accident Board, often referred to as the Workers' Comp Board, and the Industrial Accident Review Board, um, which matter a great deal to a great many people. Um, and even things like uh, what's called in our Constitution draws on the Treasury. Uh, so they will sign warrants, which represent literally billions of dollars of our state budget. Um, they will vet those requests and give their advice and consent on those issues too. And the list kind of goes on and on beyond that. Um, but they work very closely. They're in the state house every Wednesday. They have the lieutenant governor as their ex officio chair. Um, and so the work they do is so important. Um, and for me, the, the access uh, in the state house every week coming from Western Mass., um, to amplify our voices in the state house um, is such an amazing opportunity to advocate for for all of us. Uh, well put. So, uh, Senator, you um, listen. I'm from the Hilltowns. I'm not from here in the mm -hmm. Valley, and I've been lucky because our senator has been Adam Hines, who has uh, is retiring uh, from the Senate, and it uh, looks like his likely replacement, fingers crossed, is Paul Mark will be our next senator, but I know that you as senator are always trying to look after the interests of Western Massachusetts, which aren't always the same as the interests of those in the East. Why is it important for us to have somebody in the governor's council representing Western Massachusetts? Really good question, Buzz. Uh, and yes, I believe you've been well served um, by Adam, and I welcome Paul to the Senate. Uh, again, fingers crossed not to be too premature, but I, you know, I think he has a nice glide path there. Um, and it'll be, he'll be a great uh, addition to the Senate. Um, so we talk all the time, the House members, the senators, uh, folks, you know, at the county level, we talk all the time about regional equity. Uh, and what that translates to me is Western Mass getting our fair share. And what does that look like when I think about Tara's really critical work? You know, I think about it in a value term. What do we value out here? So what are the, um, what are the values that we would want to bring into the judicial system in the, in the form of judges? Uh, and then I think about voices and actual bodies who are appointed to do the work. Um, one thing that's been very clear uh, to me is that the majority of judges are not from our region. Uh, and that, I think, robs us of the opportunity to have a perspective that's a distinct um, Western Mass perspective. And, uh, you know, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited because Tara has boundless energy. And I do believe that she is coming to this, you know, wanting to harness the opinions and views and energy and passion and mission of her constituents. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that makes her stronger uh, than she even already is in her pursuit of that kind of equity uh, in, in the form of the work that she'll get to do on the governor's council. I love that. So, so Tara, how, how will you represent the interests of Western Massachusetts and, and what is unique about Western Massachusetts? Well, yeah, Joe, thank you so much for all of those wonderful words. I'm just glowing from that. Um, there in a few ways in the work itself, uh, of the governor's council, we, we do, um, need more of a voice and, and more, um, more judicial nominees coming from our district, from our communities who understand our communities and can best serve them. Um, and, and a diversity of voices across the spectrum from, um, lawyers of color and, and also backgrounds of, of judicial background, um, legal pra uh, practice backgrounds to be a more diverse and representative um, judiciary. 
And not least, um, there hasn't been a Western Mass voice on our Supreme Judicial Court in Massachusetts for quite a long time, really too long. And I'm very much hoping we can change that and, and have our voice in Western Mass on that very important body as well. Um, and secondly, uh, in a couple of ways, uh, my, my goals um, as, as our next governor's council, fingers crossed, um, I've been doing so much work during this campaign, connecting with community members, listening to people, connecting with them and listening to their needs and their concerns, and also trying to do this work of increasing uh, awareness for what Governor's Council is. And so my, my goal is to continue to do that um, and expand that effort, to continue to listen to people, but to sh bring back from Boston what's happening with the Governor's Council. What are the decisions before us? If there's a local candidate, I'd love to have hearings in Western Mass in the communities from which that particular position would serve um, to involve and engage people in the process. And then um, do all that I can do to just increase transparency and accountability through communication, digitally, online, social media, um, and, and through the media itself, and in trying to really amplify um, this work and, and why it's important and, and what's happening and, and how people can lend their voices to it. Um, so that's, that's one of the many ways. And then um, from an advocacy standpoint, you know, I've been doing that work for so long, and so uh, be able to continue to listen um, to the voices of Western Mass, represent the people um, in the in the process of Governor's Council, but also in all the other needs that we have. Um, you know, that is something that I feel um, this would be such an amazing opportunity to be able to do more of, um, to be able to connect and engage and and then bring those those needs in a very practical way like what are our actual problems and how do we solve them and you know the more I talk to people across Western Mass it, it really becomes so clear we have so much in common across all there's 102 towns and cities across this district 8 that I'm running for and I hear the same thread everywhere I go and so uh, to me just so much more unites us in our challenges here so far from Boston um, than divides us and so, you know, amplify that voice and try to find those equity solutions that do bring things home. Thank you, Tara Jacobs, who's running for governor's council. And uh, I wanted to ask both of you uh, to turn my attention, our attention to the questions that are going to be in ballot on November 8th. Uh, speaking of things that all, uh, all cities and towns in Western Massachusetts have in common, we all have problems with our uh, our roads and highways and bridges, bridges needing repair. We have problems with uh, the cost of education. And so question one, which is called the Fair Share Amendment, uh, is aimed at uh, providing revenue up to $2 billion is estimated in revenue um, for those purposes. And the way the funds would be raised is by any amount of money that comes from an annual salary in excess of $1 million would be taxed at 4% uh, to raise up to uh, $2 billion. Uh, Senator Joe Comerford, how are you going to vote on that? Well, I'm a big yes on one, Buzz, uh, and I have been for a while. And you may know that we had to pass this through some constitutional conventions in order for it to get to the ballot, and I voted yes every time. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation about this ballot question, and sometimes it's really hard to get good, defensible information. So for folks listening, 
what's re and this is the major point this is the major question i answer uh again and again and again which is how do we know that it's going to come back to our roads and our schools and all i can say is it's in the language and the legislature will have to follow that law um when passed and so it's in the language of the ballot question that this will go to roads and bridges, it'll go to infrastructure, and it'll go to schools. What's not in the language is getting Western Mass our fair share, but that's why I go to work, and that's why the House members and senators go to work every day to make sure of that money that must, again, must come for transportation, infrastructure, and for schools, Western Mass gets a fair share of it. We need and a fair share of the fair share. <laughs> Before exactly. we take a break, but how are you going to vote for it? Yes. Uh, so I am very strong. I've endorsed the fair share in, in numerous hats that I wear. I'm also a school committee member, so bringing more funds into our education system, near and dear to my heart and so important. Um, and again, going towards these equity solutions. So I am all in on fair share, and, and I do my best every day to dispel some of the myths that are running around. There's a very strong counter um, group who is a very small and well-funded, very wealthy group um, trying to spread all sorts of disinformation. So I've been doing my best to make it very clear um, what actually this does and how it works and who it will impact, which is very, very few of us. Her name is Tara Jacobs. She is a candidate to represent us on the Governor's Council. And we're with Joe Comerford, the senator who always represents us well, and I'm so pleased to be speaking with her this morning. We're going to take a break and come back with uh, these two great citizens right after these messages. Stay with us. This is Bill Newman, Life moves fast, and kids move at the speed of okay. life. Well, right. Franklin Give First is here to help you and your kids stay in control. With Franklin First Federal Credit Union's Teen Checking Program, your teen can manage their money and stay on the go while you enjoy peace of mind. Conditions apply, so see your Franklin First professional for details and requirements. Or start at franklinfirst.org. Franklin First Federal Credit Union, member NCUA. What's more important, a great paying job or feeling fulfilled at the end of the day? Well, when you work at Cooley Dickinson Hospital Northampton, you won't have to choose because you'll get both. Cooley Dickinson Hospital has great paying and fulfilling openings in environmental services and transport. And on Wednesday, October 26th and Thursday, October 27th, they're holding on-the-spot interviews from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the North Entrance, 30 Locust Street, Northampton. Or visit CooleyDickinson.org today. But what are we drinking in the wine bunker today? Random white wine. All right. Hello, I'm Random White Guy, and I'm going to be drinking Random White Wine. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The first one here is the uh, Gomez Cruzado from the Haro region of Rioja, and this is a white wine. Now, most people might be familiar with Viora, but this is also blended with 25% Tempranillo Blanco. I always forget that that's even a thing. Don't we all? The first sip almost seems puckering dry, but it really rounds out. A couple more sips into it, it, and it is lush and creamy. But it's not so creamy without acid. There's like a, there is yeah. a little bit of acid in there. When it's too creamy, I get really bored, and it's like what they call flabby, but with the acid, it braces it, and it makes it really yeah. good. This, this I want like scallops. <laughs> you mean scallops? I don't care. I want them. I care. Scallops. There we go. Thank you. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street. Today and every day, millions of people do business with co-ops. 
food co-ops, credit unions, workers co-ops, energy co-ops, farmers co-ops. Go co-op and build economic power right here in your community. Like the Compost Cooperative, diverting residential and commercial food scraps from the waste stream while building local economic democracy and living wage jobs. TheCompostCooperative.com. October is co-op month. Find more co-ops at the Valley Cooperative Business Association website. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And we are back with Senator Joe Comerford and with uh, Governor's Council candidate, uh, the Democrat who's running against Republican Trumpian John Comerford, no relation to our beloved Senator uh, Tara Jacobs. So uh, I wanted to ask about um, question four. Um, Senator, let me, why don't you tee it up for us what question four is and how you're going to be voting for it and why? So question four, uh, and a yes on four, which is I am yes on four, um, basically says that we will keep in place the Work and Family Mobility Act. And the Work and Family Mobility Act was passed by the legislature two times, once um, just as a regular bill, and the second time because we overrode the governor's very misguided veto. And this, uh, the, this bill allows immigrants, regardless of immigration status, to uh, take a driver's course, get a driver's license, get driver's insurance. The tagline of the campaign is for safer roads. And that's the thing I, I believe we have to throw down on. That's certainly what the organizers are asking us to focus on where this has been implemented. And it has been implemented in, I believe, 14 or 15 other states. We've seen um, evidence that would tell us that uh, our roads are safer. Uh, because everyone will have access to driving, driving courses, a license, and insurance. And the last thing I'll say is, if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, you should know that sheriffs and police chiefs and DAs love this. Uh, and you should also know, and here's a myth, here's a big myth, um, that is one of the things that has people very concerned. It does not automatically uh, enroll these good folks into the voter rolls. Right now, if you're 17, you get a license, you don't automatically get a right to vote. If you're here in a green card and you get a license, you don't vote in elections, and nor will the people who have access to this uh, right, this opportunity. Thank you for pointing that out. It's so important. And how about you, Tara Jacobs? I I'm all in on yes on four for all of the reasons Joe just mentioned. Um, and I even have a personal experience with having had a car in a in a, a wreck where it was an uninsured, unlicensed, um, undocumented um, migrant who, um, this was long, long ago, probably wow. 20 plus years ago. But I remember the snarl of that and, and the impact on my insurance. Um, so for, for safer roads, for... Um, just the impact it can have if you if you have an accident with someone who's uninsured. I mean, for me, it makes all the sense in the world. I just want to ask you, what impact on your insurance? Do you, you have a provision for uh, damage caused by an uninsured or underinsured driver? This was 
probably 30 years ago in Dallas. Oh, it's in Texas. <laughs> that explains. No, we're talking about America here. <laughs> so, Joe Comerford, how, uh, what about question um, uh, two, the dental insurance question, which um, uh, brings dental insurers in Massachusetts uh, under the regulatory authority of the Commissioner of Insurance in Massachusetts, like all other insurers are, and it also says that instead of one in three dollars being from premiums uh, going to uh, insured dental care, it says that 83% of every premium dollar has to go towards dental care and only 17% for administrative costs and premiums. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Uh, so I am yes on two. I'm also, because I know we're talking about the questions, I'm yes on three as well. Uh, so I, I haven't been as campaigning as hard for two and three as I have for one and four. One and four have taken my time, but I am yes personally on two and three. And Tara Jacobs? Uh, same. Yes, all the way. Plus, I think it's easier to remember what you want to do when you get into the ballot box because it can be so confusing reading the language on these questions. So yes on one, two, three, and four. Uh, I think serves us best and, and make sure people remember what they're doing. <laughs> That's kind of easy to remember. Yes, on one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Although everybody should be an informed voter, but it is hard to remember once you get there which one is for which. So it, it, it's really uh, great advice. Why yes on three, Joe Comerford? Well, you know, I've looked into it a little bit. I actually have also heard, and this is the beautiful thing about democracy, uh, I've heard from constituents uh, who would benefit. And I do think that uh, for us in Western Massachusetts, where we have this kind of love of our small business economy, uh, that this will help um, that small business economy disproportionately. So I'm I'm happy uh, to go yes on three. Again, I wish there were all the time in the world um, so that I could campaign on these two questions, as well as Buzz the the question that some parts of the district will have on. Uh, carbon pricing, and then in other parts of the district, we'll have on Medicare for All. So these are non-binding ballot questions, and they're in our region, and I'm yes on both of those. As am I, but I, uh, forgive us, Tara, because you're not uh, there, but for those who live, uh, who are represented by Natalie Blay in uh, the 1st Franklin District or uh, by Lindsay Sabadosa in the 1st Hampshire district, um, there will be this non-binding question about a carbon tax. Could you explain it very briefly in the minute and a half yeah. that we have left? I'll be, the, I'll be super quick. Um, so this basically, it puts a tax on pollution, essentially. Uh, this provision would suggest that the money go back to um, individuals. And, I, you know, I think we should all be yes on this regardless. In my own perfect world, Buzz, I would love to bank some of that money for the kind of Green New Deal revolution that we all want. But in concept, the idea of a carbon tax is a good one, and we need, we need to begin disincentivizing fossil fuels and incentivizing the green uh, energy that we know we need. So by sheer coincidence, this was written, was originated in Ashfield by friends of mine, because I live in Ashfield. But um, uh, the whole purpose was to inform our, uh, those who represent us in the legislature Exactly. Legislature. And is it useful as a legislator for you to know how your constituents feel about a particular issue? It is incredibly useful. I find these non-binding questions very useful. Uh, and, you know, 
if I weren't predisposed to think that a carbon tax was a good idea, this would give me a swift nudge, right? And that's important. That's very important. But I am predisposed to think of, you know, that this is important. I have co-sponsored um, the sort of the big dog bill right now in the legislature, and I have since I got in. And this will just help me fight harder because my I believe our people are going to tell us, and we'll look at the results, but we're going to tell us that, yes, it's time to put a tax on carbon. How we put that tax on and where it goes and who benefits, I do think should be more of a nuanced conversation and discussion. Well, there you I go. And I hope to have it one day. Important. I have been waiting since her election to disagree with Senator Joe Comerford on something, <laughs> and I haven't found that opportunity. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tara Jacobs, good luck in your run for governor's council. We are with you here on the Bill Newman Show and on my afternoon buzz show, and I'd love to talk to you some more. I look forward to that, yes. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Vote yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> and counselor on the ballot. Bye-bye. And counselor on the ballot for Tara Jacobs. Thank you so much for your time. Our pleasure. Have a great Thank day, you. everybody. Bye. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts provides healthy food to families and individuals facing hunger in our region. And right now, with food insecurity the highest it's been in recent years, the Food Bank is distributing more emergency food than ever. Learn more about the Food Bank or get support for yourself and your family. Go to foodbankwma.org or call 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.